Welcome truth seekers all across the fruited plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you civics made simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. Our continuing lesson on the systems of government, unitary, confederal, or federal. And actually, as we review this, we actually begin to see the miracle that it was that our country was founded in the way that it was and has stood these last, you know, 200 plus years um, as a testament to the innovation and insight that our founding fathers had. And so wanted to finish, wanted to go over what we were talking about last time of the systems of government. And so what we were saying, we had talked a little bit about ratification and how um, the states had agreed to form a league of friendship, which I thought was just hilarious as a name for like a government, like you're gonna be the league of friendship. That's so awesome. But anyway, they started this process in November of 1777, and it took four years until 1781 before the ratification of the Articles of Confederation were completed. And so one of the reasons that, the, that it took so long was that several colonies had laid claims to the Western lands. You know, they wanted to be in charge from sea to shining sea. Um, and many of the claims of the individual states were overlapping and not well-defined. So, you know, as they came from Europe, um, the ability to own land was seen as uh, a status symbol. And so it became the, the um, you know, part of our American dream to, is to own your own land. And so, so the people and the, the states and the leaders of those states wanted to invest and take hold of the lands to the West. And that was a real sticking point. That's why it took four years to get the Articles of Confederation ratified by the states. Finally, Virginia offered to um, let go of its claims for those new lands. Um, new York followed closely behind and it was established then that the new national government would have authority over land extending from the Appalachian Mountains to the Mississippi River. Um, and these agreements made sure the Western lands would then be established as national lands. Um, and so those who supported the adoption of the Articles of Confederations were successful in their negotiations with colonial leaders. Maryland, representing the colonies that had not had Western land claims, now they were willing to become a part of this new league of friendship um, as the new government under the Articles of Confederation were called. I'm so glad that they got that part changed, right? Like, we're in the League of Friendship. Okay, but it was the 1700s, so, you know, we're not going to hold that against them too much. So now let's move on to part two officially of our lesson, where we talk about we're going to start with the weaknesses of Confederation. The weaknesses of Confederation. Can you see what's coming? The proposed government had a legislature, right? They had a lawmaking ability, but it had no executive or judicial branch. The powers of government were restricted to those specifically expressed um, by the Articles of Confederation. 
And the state's experiences with Britain made them reluctant to delegate any authority beyond their borders, which is understandable. They, they weren't all gung-ho to give this new federal government all this power and authority that they have fought so hard to get free from, from uh, England. I mean, that makes sense. But the Confederation Congress could not tax or raise an army for the common defense, um, nor did it have any authority regarding interstate or foreign commerce. And so, understandably, in terms of roles and relationships, citizens generally felt more attached to their state governments and more involved with their state governments than they did with any broader national government. And the states wanted to keep most of the power at their level, which, once again, at that time was understandable. And so there are a couple of things that actually came um, about that just, just created real, real conflict. One was currency, because imagine there was no federal currency. So there was currency maybe in Rhode Island and currency in Virginia or currency some other places, but those in Rhode Island didn't have to take the currency in Virginia. And so paper money started to, to come about, but it had no real value because at that point after the war, things were backed up by silver and gold, which at that particular time was really, really hard to get a hold of. So states started issuing um, currency, but it wasn't, you could only use it in that state. And if someone came from another state, it's worthless to them because I can't take, I can't take Virginia money and go to Maryland and I can't take Maryland money and go to Pennsylvania. So it was just a real mess, but there was no federal government. There was no overarching government entity to say, hey, this is how we regulate commerce. So there were no courts. And so once again, you can see the restrictions that were put on the confederal government. There was really nothing they could do. What happened was that statesmen in the, in the lesson, they talk about how George Washington invited some people over from Maryland and um, the people from Virginia. Now, if you know anything about how that looks, the, the Chesapeake Bay is, is in the middle between Maryland and Virginia. And so the Virginians weren't letting the Marylanders, you know, fish or do whatever in the Chesapeake Bay. And so they were having conflict. There was no way for them to resolve this issue. So George Washington invited them over to Mount Vernon. And so there were statesmen and they sat down and talked about how to best work the situation out. So what did Maryland do? Maryland invited Pennsylvania. And so what did Virginia do? Virginia invited some other colonies and states to all come to Mount Vernon to discuss how best to handle these situations. And so you could start to see the peeling away of this is not going to work for us long term because George Washington isn't going to be with us forever. And so even though everyone respected and loved George Washington, he could not be the reason that things got resolved. There needed to be some other systems that were put in place. Can you see how that like because each state was still operating as its own nation. So I just found that incredibly interesting. And like again, I keep saying it's a wonder that we are even here 200 plus years later because they had such, such conflicts. And how do you get past it? I mean, I really feel like to, like we want to give them so many kudos for stepping out of the box to create something new. Because these problems in between the states, they were, these were real issues. Thank God for statesmen who were able to bring people to the table. To, and when I say people, I mean states to the table to discuss and work things out. Another issue that they had was um, the states making their own treaties with other people, with other countries. You know, in, in the lesson, it talked about how Kentucky 
at the time was sort of like an offshoot of Virginia, but Virginia wasn't protecting the, the, the people of Kentucky. So Kentucky wanted to make a deal with Spain for protection. Hello, it's like, so, so all this stuff is going on and happening and they're forging still this new nation. This new nation and, and states are doing what they wanna do and you know, the government is, the federal government is restrained and they finally came to a balance and understanding that, oh my gosh, we need both. We need both strong states and a federal government. And so a federal system, finally that federal government was, was birthed and born, which probably came with a great deal of like weeping and gnashing of teeth, it sounds like, because they had such real issues state to state. So the federal system is one where the government, the governmental powers are shared by the national government and the territorial subdivisions such as states and counties in the United States. In this system, the national government also has the power to act directly on the citizens with each state. Um, for example, in, in a government with a federal system, the national government can impose taxes directly on individuals. Now, don't we know that? Don't we, don't, don't, don't we, don't we know about the IRS and how it can tax us individually and then our states can tax us too um, but it is not at the mercy of state governments to grant such authority so today the United States is the most successful form of a federal government in a government with a federal system um, some document usually a constitution establishes the guidelines by which the powers of government are shared so in future lessons, we'll examine in detail how the writers of our Constitution devised a plan for government that is still unique among the nations of the world. The sharing, the separation, and the limitation of powers, the three branches of government, and the system of representation all help to guarantee the strength of this country and the security of its citizens. As informed citizens continue to exercise the freedoms that they enjoy, and fulfilled their responsibilities in serving this country and the future of our nation. So the federal government, it actually is like so brilliant. And I really don't understand why other countries don't adopt our system of government, but that's on them, you know, hey, hey, you know, it's all good. Um, but really the, the forging of a federal government it, it seemed so painful just to read some of the stories and some of the issues and some of the struggles that the states went through in order to get to that point. So we're grateful that they, that they had the fortitude to, you know, to last through those confusing times after the Articles of Confederation and actually birth a constitution that would be able to stand the test of time. So with that, guys, I'm going to end this lesson, part two of the systems of government, and I'm going to go into our next lesson, which is called the nature of representation. I really think you're going to enjoy it. So look forward to that and get all in with this, these, these lessons in civics. I'm telling you, it's going to change the course of our nation right now because we've got to get these lessons and these understandings to as many people as possible. So join us, join this effort, let people know 
what is going on and why civics is so important because it is right now more than ever before. So I'm so thankful for the time that you've spent with me in learning about civics and we've got so much more to come. You guys are gonna love this series as we just keep diving deeper and deeper and bringing it home, making it relevant, helping folks understand what it truly means to be an American citizen. So guys, I'm thrilled and pleased as punch that you've joined us. I'll be back real soon. Have a great one. Kim Anderson over and out. See you soon, guys. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me, for the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store. Follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.